So, episode 106, know when to teach someone. Now, teaching is pretty cool. You either got it or you don't. And what I mean by that, so it's very easy to tell someone a textbook way of doing something. So, if you want to teach someone the alphabet, it's quite easy in English. You've got 26 letters and off you go. A, B, C, and there's a pattern, it's a very linear approach, and basically... It's pretty hard to mess it up. Now, when you're in the creative industry, it's kind of impossible to tell someone how to direct because you can give them the code base of how to correct and the code base represents a key element amount of stuff, i.e. processes, to do to become a director. So the director has a start, middle and end. You have to be very agile to understand that certain bits mightn't happen in certain orders, but you need that vision. You need that, that kind of focus. Same as editing. Now, you can teach someone how to push buttons. That is the easy part. And I'll never forget teaching back in Foxtel. So I'd, I'd legged it out of Foxtel. I'd gone and then I managed to get a, a gig back to teach everyone around the 500p, the DigiBeaters. And Brett Kennedy, the the uh, the boss of videotapes and transfers down that time at the time, basically said, "Come in and show everyone about the BVW 500P, P for PAL." And I'm like, "How am I going to do this? Because you've got a massive manual which makes no sense to anyone, and these are people that are coming in and they just want to kind of know what the buttons do. But more importantly, with a DigiBeater, I'm not sure if you're aware, there's a thing called a pre-read. It's literally the most coolest thing in the world." Um, a pre-read will allow you, and in this case, if we had a a, a, um, a program and the program was all cool, but the time code was all messed up, you could actually use the pre-read head by patching the machine signal back into itself and then recording the new time code to make it nice and easy. And it save a load of time and effort, right? And you could do it with just one machine. Didn't need to lock up two machines and blah, blah, blah. So I'm thinking to myself, I'm going, how am I going to teach all these people who, by the way, I worked with at the time. So my main concept was to go in and kind of open up the back of the racks, which were completely off limits, and show people the cabling. Now, with a DigiBeater, you do have analog in if you've got the right um, AD boards, and you've got SDI cables, you've got RS-422s, you've got um, AES audio, you've got all this stuff, and it could amalgamate to around about 35, maybe 36 to 46 cables, depending on if, if you've got all the options on that machine. Tremendously daunting, okay? So my gig was to take them in groups of three. There was 15 people at the time, put it over a five-week period, which allowed me to get more money. Ka-ching, well done me. But not only that, and showing people behind the machines, it's kind of walking through the scenarios that people would align themselves to. And it's like anything in teaching. If you want to teach someone, you can't. Well, you can, I guess, but it is not recommended to just go in at a monotone voice, just regurgitating the manual. It makes no sense. No one will get engaged. And that's a key aspect. You need to engage people in the concept. And, you know, the points I've got written down today is is, um, knowing the subject matter, understanding the person, understanding the environment, knowing um, when to test, uh, make them feel empowered, and subtle hints of excellence. So... Let's flash forward. So I needed to teach a lot of people over my time. I'd probably say it'd be in the close to the 20s that I've shown people how to do certain things. And each person's completely different. It sounds so cliche, but it's so true. 
you need to understand that someone might come in on Monday tremendously eager to learn, then on Tuesday they don't give a shit. So you need to understand the consistency of someone's nature and understand the subject matter. Now, the subject matter of, what's a good example, how I'm going to do standards conversion from 23, 98 to 25 and all the intricacies and worse still, the platform that you might be using, which is homegrown, it's built, so you know you can't Google it, there's no way of looking on YouTube. So you have to make sure that you understand the subject matter and better still, putting it into terms that people understand. Now, the real finite way here is taking people off the path of education and that can be easily done anyone that knows me knows that i can just ramble on and go down a rabbit hole and make absolutely no fucking sense now after a period of time people around me get me they understand and they'll probably take every third or fourth word out of my my mouth and staple together a an outcome and that works for them now knowing the subject matter is key so if you're going to teach someone how to edit First, you need to know which non-linear you're going to use. Is it Avid, Premiere, whatever you're going to do. Now, understanding the keys or the pull-down menus is another thing. Um, one of my operators that we worked at AdPro, um, Alexis, she was fantastic. She was really good. And she was a person that you could tell once, she'd get it, and then she'd want to own that problem. Now, that's great. And an employee like that is fantastic. The danger with that employee is keeping that fire stoked. Because having too much responsibility, and I'm kind of talking to millennials at this stage, giving too much responsibility scares people off, but not giving them enough makes them bored. And trust me, that is a really hard seesaw to understand as a manager. And you have to really look at the people, understand what they're doing, making sure you're pushing people, but not pushing them too much that they feel bullied, out of control, and just don't like it. So understanding the person is a key point here. And you need to understand what people's moods are because you as a manager or you as a director of a company or you as the director on a set, you get in the shits, you have a bad day like anyone, but you need to understand what you're going to get out of the people that day. So um, being an editor and teaching someone how to edit, it's easy going, press Apple C to copy, press Apple V to paste. Doing the shortcuts is showing people how to do things faster. So yes, you have to memorize the keyboards and yes, you have to get some muscle memory, but you're teaching people how to do things smarter and how to do things in a different outcome. So if you're going to go down, sit with the manual and go, right, how do I export something? You go up to the contextual menu, file, export file. Well, you could do that or you could do a shortcut, which is Apple E if you you map it right, and that will export it out and saves you clicking on your right hand, getting rid of the RSI. So anything of non-linear editor, you really should balance up your keys and using keyboards or pens or tablets um, and doing it more wisely will get the craft better. So then not only are you getting things quicker for the person that you're teaching, it will allow their brain to get up to speed, allow them to start doing quicker decisions, allow them to understand that the cut's there because if you're allowing the machine to slow you down from your creative pattern, then you're not wisely doing it. And that's an understanding the environment. I mean, these points are all coming together because if you're in a news cutting environment, you have no time to mess around on pulling contextual menus down. You need keyboard shortcuts and you need them quick. If you're on a high-end flame automation system and you need to do that, you are working simultaneously with your left hand on the keyboard and your right hand with the tablet. 
and you're going between batch, you're doing all sorts of fun stuff, you're connecting nodes, you're doing your um, alt and tabs, you got all this fun stuff because it's a quick a way to do what you need to do. And that's understanding the environment. If you've got clients breathing down your neck, trust me, it is one of the most fucking grueling things you will do because you can't just say, I'm gonna go for a walk. You have to be cool, you have to be calm because let's make it very clear. If you're in such a high editing environment, you want those clients to return because the clients love your work. So you have to be a salesperson. You have to sell yourself. You have to do a fantastic job and you have to be completely agnostic to any arguments that are going on. But then slowly put your pit of turn on it that way because nothing will get done. The amount of times I sat in edit suites where people are going, what do you think? I don't know. What do you think? Let's call someone. Let's do something. Let's send an approval out. You need to have loaded up two or three options and go, what do you think about this? You know, be the problem solution person instead of the guy just or girl just sitting there just going, oh, I'm getting paid X amount an hour. I don't really care. And when you're teaching someone, it's, oh God, it is the most exhilarating thing in my life. I love it when I regroup with some of the people that I've trained throughout the years and find out where they are. And certain people, I mean, um, Adrian, Adrian is the most amazing, I don't want to say protege, but he's literally the most amazing person that I've had because everybody didn't see the gem inside of Adrian. I saw Adrian Sinatra's gem and I went, this guy has something, but he needs to be coached. He needs to be mentored. He needs to be, you know, trained correctly. And the way that Adrian looked at things, Adrian is the most laid back, chilled kind of guy in the world. And everybody saw that as a kind of a, a, a lazy approach to looking at things. It's not lazy at all. He's a very, very clever, astute kind of person. But what I needed Adrian to do was to get his voice and kind of put his opinion in and understand the problem and go, does anybody in the room, because the hardest thing you can do is open up your opinion because no one likes to be criticized. I couldn't give a flying fuck if anyone in the room says, you're full of it, Craig, you mean nothing. Because deep down, I know the solution might be right, but then I banged into Aaron. There you go. Every time I say Aaron, he gets a pound. Um, and he challenges me. And I love that because you get challenged so much that you come up with a better solution. Now, it might be my solution, might be that person's solution, but it doesn't matter. You need to debate. And that's a key thing. Debating is completely different than arguing. If you're debating on something, it means you've both got a great solution. And that is the key benefit. A lot of people don't like confrontation. Debating is not confrontation. You need to re say that a thousand times yourself because a debate is two people trying to get a solution, okay? An argument is two people on different sides trying to get the point across. So that's a, a big key there. And with Adrian, I kind of helped him out as much as possible. I gave him a little bit of string of uh, authority. I allowed him to write up the wikis. I allowed him to um, update all the machines. I think we had around about nine machines. We had like, uh, what was it? Uh, six Terranexes. Um, tremendously a large amount of stuff. He had to do all the backing up of the projects and you know booking it in using FileMaker. Bringing this guy, kicking and screaming out of his comfort zone. And I talked to him not so long ago and he's just absolutely regurgitating the words back to me. And I love it. The amount of confidence and empowerment that he has in his speech, in his delivery, in the way that he holds himself is exactly what you want to do. Because let's be fair, when you're teaching someone, you're not only teaching them your trade, 
you're teaching them how to play in the creative sandpit. And it's an absolute mongrel eat mongrel scenarios out there. And people people will take people for rides. People will abuse people that way and saying, oh, you know, can you help me out here? Can you do this? And you need to be very careful with that. Now, allowing people to be rock stars is a key thing. I call it excellence or rock stars. Rock stars are brilliant. People who are rock stars are ones that rise above, do an amazing job, but, you know, completely humble and completely willing to work and understand how to do things. Let's, again, be very clear. Working long hours is not working hard. That's working stupid. But you might need to work the hours to complete the project. Now, people that will say, I work 14 hours a day and I'm tired and I've done this. And you, I mean, you quiz them and say, why? Oh, I had these RFPs and I had this RFI and new people are starting and this and this. It's an excuse because if you're good at your job or you have people around you that are willing to help you be good at your job, yeah, you're working long hours, but you've got a support mechanism there. These people that scream that blue murder are just the single people on a stick with sharks surrounding them. And you know what? Those dopey fuckers got themselves there. So you don't want to be in that management position that you're like, oh, I'm so tired and so this. And you, oh God, there are so many of them out there and it's disgusting. What you do want is your manager laughing with you, laughing at you because everybody makes mistakes, but then listening to you. And the way I like to manage is that people come into me and certain people that I've worked with will come and go, oh, um, someone wants this certain codec, what do you think? And I'll do the whole answer and answer go, well, you know, what's the problem? Oh, they need this and this and this. He goes, well, I would personally do this, but what do you think? And after a period of time, people would come and say, right, so-and-so would like a certain codec, I think it's going to be this, what do you reckon? And it's, they start moving the, the problem back onto you, but just looking for confirmation. And then later, after a period of time, you've got to be patient here. Training is patience. It really is. You have people coming, emailing, going, as my staff, emailing, going, right, sorted out that person. They wanted this. I've done that. It's been delivered. Happy days. That, as a manager, is gold because you're automatically training people to keep you in the loop. You're not a dictator or asking someone to completely control and do what you want to do, but you have this massive ammunitions for whenever your manager needs to come up and say, how's the department going? Fantastic. Boom, 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 boom. These people are doing all this sort of stuff. It's great. And then people ask you, what do you do? Do you, do you force people into telling you what to do? Or how do you get this information? Well, it's simple. You hire the people you want to hire. You train them the way that you like to be trained and like to work, and it comes back tenfold. Because when these staff and every staff member will call in or need a favor or whatever, it's not a favor, it's earned. So when they say, I'm hungover, and I always say, if you're pissed, you're off your head, or you can't make it in, just tell me that. Don't lie. Never lie to me. And then it's easy because you've got a very strong-willed employee who is happy and secure to talk to you, who wants to be able to involve themselves in your path as well, because a manager is only as good as the employees that he works with. 
if the employees are bad employees and train badly and um, disobedient and kind of turning up and lying and just covering shit up, that's your fault as a manager. It is not the employees. If the employees are thriving and kicking goals and laughing and holding it together and, you know, every other department starts going, what the fuck is going on with these guys? I want to be part of that. And at AdStream, there's AdPro. AdPro is a very exclusive club. You know, it's only allowed people to come in. If you weren't good enough, you got sacked out. And it got built in Miami as well. And Gabriel was out there and he looks after it. And and then Ricky came in. Fantastic people who, to this day, and I must apologize to Ricky, um, Gabe said he's fantastic and I thought he's an absolute interesting person. And lo and behold, Gabe saw that gem in Ricky. And Ricky, to date, is one of the most amazing employees for that company. Absolutely rock star at everything he does. He absolutely sucks out the information from any problem. And he has solutions to all the issues. He works like a motherfucker, but he loves it. He is a worker. He gets into it. And the amount of times he gets an email out and he goes, what do you think about this? It's like, absolutely, Ricky. Perfect way. Because people will need a direction. They will need their lighthouse. And I keep saying to people, even though I'm not working with you, doesn't mean I'm not in your life. Doesn't mean you can't reach out to me. Doesn't mean that if you have a problem that's at the competitors and you're asking for solutions, I am still there in your life. Because you might need to ask people certain things later in your life. You've got to keep that network together. So training is the most amazing thing. And when to do it? Well, you need to know your shit first. If you are an absolute... Cokehead, drinking booze head, non-centered, very selfish person, you should not teach anyone anything because that will come off as an absolute contrite way of doing it. You and yourself have to be happy and you have to remember you are releasing information for free to people. You do not want something back. If you are that sort of person that goes, I taught um, Barry how to do whatever Barry, you owe me, then you should not be teaching anyone anything. You need to be centered. You need to be happy. And you need to be telling people stories around um, how to do things. Anyone can flip open a manual. There's millions of hours on YouTube, literally. You need to be able to converse with people on their level in the speak that they do and then offer solutions on that sort of way. And always remember, it's like training your father-in-law how to work a computer. It's the most annoying thing in my world, but that guy, he keeps on trying, he keeps on trying. So that's my episode today on when to learn. I mean, I'm sorry, when to teach, pardon me. Um, These podcasts, I'm loving it. So thank you so much for your support. It's absolutely awesome. And I can't wait to start knocking more out. That's podcast, that is. Anyway, enjoy the rest of your day, guys. Bye for now.